Welcome to the Underground, where each week Brad and Court talk, sneak their way up and down the corporate ladder of sci-fi's futuristic series, Incorporated. Brought to you by PurePanda.com. Hey there, everybody. Welcome back to another Pure Panda podcast, Brad and Court Talk. I'm Brad. And I'm Court. Welcome to the Underground. We are your sanctuary from the chaos of the green and red zones. You'll know what that means when the show starts. How's that beautiful, desolate world treating you guys this week? Well, for those of you who usually follow our 12 Monkeys and Van Helsing podcast, we are back and we're excited to be covering Sci-Fi's upcoming show, Incorporated. Yes, and we just want to do a quick preview podcast before the show starts to break down the synopsis and what we expect to see based on those trailers and some information that Sci-Fi has posted on their website. They posted some really interesting stuff, right, B? Yes, there's a lot of stuff out there. But before we jump into that, just want to remind everybody to check us out over at PureFandom.com. A lot of great writers over there. If there's a show or movie you love, someone over there is writing something amazing about it. So, Court, how can the good people reach us? You can find me on Twitter at JenDev, and he is BradZB. Be sure to follow at Pure Fandom as well, just to keep up to date on the latest articles that have been posted. Also check out Pure Fandom on Facebook, just to let them know what type of fandoms you're most interested in hearing or reading about. So Brad, what can you tell us about Incorporated? You've got some world news according to... So, Incorporated. It takes place in the future. 2074 to be exact. If you head on over to sci-fi.com slash incorporated, there's a lot of cool stuff in there. One of the sections, I'm going to read some highlights of this section, is history of the future, which basically tells us how we got to the point that we got to in the show. So it starts out saying 2016, it was the hottest year on record and declared the point of no return for climate change. 2022, an infestation of pest-resistant Asian longhorn beetles wipe out over 100 million trees across North America, escalating climate change even more. Followed up by that, 2023, the U.S. government spends billions in subsidies into biotech startup Spiga, which is a massive corporation that we'll see throughout the entire episode and series. They are helping to combat the beetle infestation and the massive problems of deforestation. Are they really, though? Well, they're a corporation, so they're doing things that corporations do. And taking advantage of the public? Exactly, because later on they do end up getting a tax-exempt status. There you go. <laughs> Your taxes paid for that, people. Good job. The downfall starts in 2031 when Superstorm Yolanda does massive damage to the entire Southwest. The U.S. government is nearly bankrupt and is left unable to repair the destruction. Mm. That sounds scary because it can. it sounds realistic. It does, and... 2033, Congress passes a law allowing any and all weather-related disasters to be categorized as acts of God and not covered by private insurance companies. So let's think about that one for a little bit. How's that work? Yeah. That does not work at all. It That's horrifying. Good for the companies, not good for the person. Because weather-related disaster, that's anything. That's hailstorm, that's rain, that's flood, that's snow, anything. Yeah, that's a really windy night and a tree crashing into your car. Yes, all of it. Wow, that's crazy. I'm excited. One of the other things here we have, I'm just going to skip ahead a little bit because there's other stuff that you just need to read through. But Mm -hmm. 2037, a dust bowl is formed stretching from Oklahoma to Texas and millions are displaced and move northward. 
Wow. So we knew about Dust Bowls from um, like history. If you've read anything about history, we know that Dust Bowls happen and people starved. And that's like um, what you would have now where they they call call it urban deserts. Right. Where like you're in the cities and there are these dearth of markets, supermarkets, like you have to travel so far to get to a supermarket. And I think people are combating that in the city by having like urban gardens. But if there's a dust bowl, like nothing, you can't plant anything, nothing will grow. Well, the dust bowls also would be a secondary effect of the beetles that came through and did all the deforestation. I mean, there's nothing growing, so it's going to cause a problem. Yep. So the downfall of everything happens in 2040. When the country is hit by a trifecta, hurricanes, flooding, and a typhoon make both coast and much of the river-adjacent coastlines uninhabitable. FEMA is unable to help, leaving the private, leaving the private corporations a step forward and provide service for a price. So basically, I'm going to have to move in with you and Tracy. Well, 2041. Population in northern Midwest cities skyrockets. Chicago's populations <laughs> grow from 2.7 million in 2016 to 25 million. Yeah, yeah, that's it's getting a little <laughs> little crowded here in the Midwest. Yeah. Uh, 2043, the oil wars begin with the energy at a premium. The U.S. government sends in its military force to wrest control from the remaining oil superpowers. Oh boy leading to the bloodiest and most destructive war of all time. The United States is forced to call on aid of the private corporate armies and mercenaries in order to secure victory. The war spans two years, costing millions of lives. And that's another thing that we see. The federal government basically has fallen apart. Mm-hmm. And the, 2049, the U.S. government ratifies the 29th Amendment, granting corporations sovereignty. They are now essentially nation-states and all the rights and abilities of a separate government. So the nation as we know it falls apart, the corporations take over, and the corporations have their own armies and stuff like that. So if you decide you're going to join the you know army or whatever, you're joining the corporation army. But there's a separate issue with how these people run. You have the people in the green zones are the corporate people, Right. Mm-hmm. They're higher up on the scale. It's the one percent, or probably yeah, it's probably the one percent. No, it's totally the one percent. And you have the red zones, which is everybody else that's living in the slums. Now, twenty sixty, the groundwater of several major cities becomes contaminated, leading to widespread malaria, dysentery, and Zika outbreaks. There is a final massive migration bringing 80% of the population into the major Midwestern cities. So everybody, yes, you will be coming to live over here with us, <laughs> apparently. And that's about where we end up at. So you have all these people, Chicago's a big spot, and Milwaukee and everything else. But everybody else, it's crowded into this one area in central U.S., which is now corporate states, and things aren't the best. I mean, it's people on top of people on top of people. You're not doing that well if you're on that side of the fence. If you're lucky, you may work for the people in the green zone. Mm -hmm. If you're in the green zone, it's all about corporate, and you don't know any better because there's, well, you know better, but you just don't pretend to know about it. Because there's this one scene that you may have seen in the trailers where our 
lead character Ben is driving down the road and everything looks like it's nice and forest and everything else. And then the camera pans up and it's actually a hologram <laughs> that's just blocking out the slums everywhere else that they're passing by. Like that's so, that was so messed up. Uh, we already saw the pilot episode and I think the episode actually already dropped um, online for people. Yes. They um, premiered it on the 16th. So when you saw that scene, and like, oh, it's not so bad. Look, you can see the trees and everything. He's on the highway. He's going to work. Yeah. It looks like um, with the Oz, Emerald City. Right. He's going. He's heading there. And then all of a sudden, like you said, the camera pans out. And then 90% of the world is in chaos. And you can see it's fallen. Everything is dust. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's all there. And everything is gone. I mean, there's more to this history on sci-fi.com slash incorporated. Go look at it. Read it. It shows a lot more to it. It throws a little bit more history into how we got to where we are and the civil unrest and everything else and why the corporate armies are there. It will enhance your viewing pleasure, I guarantee, just knowing how they got to this point. But, yeah, there's everything is gone. I mean, you're kind of living one way or the other. Right. And if you're in corporate land, you do corporate stuff. That's pretty much all we've been seeing so far is working in the buildings, setting up stuff, making it happen. I'm excited for it. Like we, when they first dropped the the initial previews, we knew that Ben Affleck and um, Matt Damon, Matt Damon, were creating a show together, or you know they were producing a show for Sci-Fi together. So I was really curious about it. And initially, um, with some of the details that were coming out, it sounded a lot like the 1997 movie Gattaca. You remember that? Yes. Uh, it was uh, a movie, a 1997 movie concerning a genetically inferior man who assumed the identity of a superior one in order to pursue his lifelong dream of space travel. It was directed by Andrew Nicole and also written by Andrew Nicole. Uh, starred Ethan Hawke, Uma Thurman, and Jude Law, as well as a few mm. other people. So, like I said, initially, I was like, oh, this premise kind of sounds like Gattaca. We see Ben, and he's living this life, but he doesn't really look like he belongs there. And that is about the extent of what it has in common with Gattaca, besides, besides like the futuristic kind of feel to it. Uh, both these worlds kind of inhabit a world where it's the future and there are conveniences of the future, but it's not the Jetsons. I'm still disappointed it's not the Jetsons yet, Brad. Like, where is my Elroy? Not Elroy. What was, what was the, um, the android lady? Like she was awesome. Oh, you just got me on that one. I don't. I'm sorry. Like Elroy was his son, and I wanted a little Astro. Like I, I want, the, I want all the future stuff. But at least they have mechanical cars. Well, like we kind of have that coming soon. It's not mechanical cars. It's you know, well, it's it's electric cars, automated. Uh, one of the things I, yeah. I loved about it though is they show the outside of his house and the entire roof and everything is solar panels. Yeah, like, I want that. I need that. Well, they need it because they don't have the oil as much as they used to anyhow, so they're going on this. Yeah, so So they're pushed to last resort, but that's something we should be doing anyway now. It should be, but it's getting there eventually. Yeah, and see, that's the the good part of the show. It doesn't immediately take us to Star Trek. It, It drops us in to somewhere where we can kind of, like, we can relate to it. Like, oh, yeah, we know that's coming soon. It's going to cut down on car accidents or, like you said, solar power. That's going to cut down on having to use so much oil and everything. 
there's two scenes in the in the episode, and you can go to sci-fi.com and find the episode. There it is airing. You can watch the first one ahead of time, and you can and it's a lot of you're gonna like it. But there's two scenes that tell you the differences in the world, and they all revolve around elevators. <laughs> there's an True. elevator in the green zone, and there's a elevator service in the red zone, and it's night and day on how things work. Oh, for sure. For and sure. I don't want to ride the elevator in the red zone. I'm just saying this right off the bat. I, That's it. <laughs> for sure. So comparing this with Gattaca. So, yes, corporations take over the world and basically run society. Um, however, the main character here isn't concerned with space travel. He's concerned with something that, you know, we're far more... Um, you know, not comfortable with, but we recognize it's, mm-hmm. it's oldest time, oldest time. Um, this guy, he goes through some pretty drastic things because of love. It's the things you do for love. And I, I won't say more than that because I don't want to spoil anything. Yes. <laughs> yeah. We, I, there's not really too much more we can go with because, you know, you got to watch it. I'm just saying it's a good show. I mean, it's really it's well put together. It looks yeah. good. It's good yeah. quality stuff. Sci-fi is really, you know, ramping it up with this. Yeah. Which, and like there are little details of the future that are just awesome. Like, oh, that makes so much sense that that's, that's there. And it does. And that's part of the thing. It's, it's really good. And it's well thought out. And it's got premise. I mean, it's good. Yeah. yeah. I think you'll like it. Yeah, and so Sean Teal, he plays our protagonist, Ben Larson. We also have Allison Miller. She's, she plays Laura. And I'm not going to tell you too much about these characters because I, I just want you to watch it. We have Eddie Ramos. He plays Theo. And some more familiar names. We have Julia Orman as Elizabeth. You've probably seen her in Mad Men, Witches of East End. That was a great show. And um, she's been in a lot of different movies and other TV shows as well. She plays Elizabeth Krauss. There is Dennis Haysbert as Julian. Uh, uh, if you remember or recognize his name, he is one of my favorite TV presidents. He was in 24. He was also in the unit. And now he is the head of security and one of the most feared men in Spiga's U.S. headquarters. Jack Bauer. <sighs> <laughs> Uh, there's also David Hewlett. He plays Chad. You may recognize him from Stargate at Atlantis and uh, Dark Matter. He's a huge character actor. If you've watched TV, you've seen his character. You've seen this actor somewhere. Mm-hmm. There's also Ian Tracy, who plays Terrence. He's another familiar face. He's been in a bunch of different things as well. So, yes, definitely check it out. Either wait until the 30th and check it out then or head on over to sci-fi.com. Check it out there. Whichever works for you. Just, you know, throw it in your list. We're going to be talking about it. We're going to have a review of the first episode that comes out. We'll have that drop right after the show airs. And probably see about see if we can get some uh, interviews or something like that going on this season, too, with us. Definitely. Definitely. And so the show premieres on Sci-Fi on Wednesday, November 30th, 10, 9 Central. And if we have, like, different exclusive items, you'll be able to find them posted on PureFandom.com. And I'll... You know, we'll post them on the Twitter page and other social media groups as they become available. Yes, most definitely. So if you're not there already, head on over to purefandom.com. Check out some of the other killer articles posted there. You'll check out some of our older podcasts that we got there, too, for Van Helsing, 12 Monkeys, and other shows. And there are a lot of great writers off over there putting out some amazing work. 
Yeah, you know, like Brad said, check out the site. Be sure to check out PeerFan.com on Facebook. Just let us know what fandoms you're most interested in hearing and reading about. We're looking forward to covering the show and talking with you guys. Again, the show drops on the 30th of November. So I'm, I'm just pumped. It looks really good. And if you have any other thoughts or comments, uh, let us know in the section below or hit us up on the Twitter or Facebook page. Until next time. Remember, you're leaving the sanctuary of the underground. So be careful out there, everybody. That's it for this episode. Head on over to purefandom.com for more awesome content.